You say you like Oreos, but have you ever tried a Hydrox cookie? Or maybe it's been a really long time since you've had one? Well, you're in luck. We're having another Hydrox Oreo face-off, basically a taste test, at a live podcast event with the People's History of Kansas City. This cookie has Kansas City roots, and we're going to tell you all about it. Join me, Suzanne Hogan, on March 29th at Rochester Brewing and Roasting Company in the Crossroads. Visit kcur.org cookies for tickets. Up to date wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is up to date on KCUR 89.3. Journalist Simon Schuster has spent years covering Ukraine. As the war broke out in early 2022, he was able to have unprecedented access to President Volodymyr Zelensky and a team around him as they learned how to govern and fight in the war against Russia. His book, The Showman, Inside the Invasion that Shook the World and Made a Leader of Volodymyr Zelensky, is out now. Now ahead of a rainy day books event at Unity Temple on the plaza this Thursday, Schuster joins us to talk about his book and his time around Ukraine's most powerful people. Simon, welcome to Up to Date. Good to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. You know, maybe the obvious first question, you titled this book, The Showman. Why? Well, I think President Zelensky's showmanship uh, was his superpower once the invasion began in, in February of 2022. Um, it was the thing that allowed him to grab and hold the world's attention, which was critical to maintaining the support that the West provided, um, not only uh, grabbing the attention and, and keeping the support of Western leaders, but also the people, all of us, the, the people who, who vote and, and elect the leadership in, in, in Western democracies. He was speaking to all of us you know, in his videos, in his speeches. And, and uh, I think his skills as a showman really allowed him to do that effectively. Uh, to what extent is he struggling to uh, keep the spotlight on himself and the plight of his country at a time when the war in the Middle East has, uh, has crowded out uh, his story and dominated the he headlines for so many months now? Yeah, it gets harder and harder. I mean, this was something that he was aware of from the very early uh, days and weeks of the invasion. I remember in one of our first conversations um, during the invasion, you know, he he said, eventually, uh, you know, the, the world sees this war on Instagram, and sooner or later, they will scroll away, is how he put it. Hmm. Um, in one of our more recent conversations, he said, yes, that fatigue is setting in, uh, in Europe and the United States. And people are beginning to act as though when they see the war in Ukraine, they're watching a rerun of the same show for the 10th time. Hmm. So he's he's always looking for new ways to to keep our attention, but he's also very very aware that our attention span has has a limit and and he you know he needs to find new ways to make us all believe in Ukraine's victory. Is he succeeding in that endeavor? It's getting harder and harder, um especially as as we see along the front lines in recent months uh, uh in in the east and the south of Ukraine there is there appears to be a stalemate but what we also see is the ukrainians you know looking for other ways uh to attack to push the russians back to show that the ukrainians are still in this fight one of the things we've been seeing are these very dramatic drone and missile strikes um 
deep inside Russian territory. I think that's that's one of the ways that uh, Zelensky and, and the military in Ukraine are trying to show us that um, you know things are not freezing, that this this is not becoming a frozen conflict, that Ukraine is still very much fighting back. Is Ukraine going to win this war? You know, I think a lot of Americans have sort of lost track in, in terms of where it stands. I think it's important to to keep sight of the, the arc of this war over the last now almost two years. The initial war aims of Putin were to uh, kill, capture Zelensky or force him to flee, to install a puppet leader in Kiev and essentially to take over the entire country. If you look at those initial war aims, Russia has already lost. But at this point, it's it's hard to see what victory really looks like. I, I think one of the things that's really depressing and, and making it difficult to maintain morale inside Ukraine um, is the fact that, you know, what what does victory look like? You know, Zelensky continues to promise the restoration of all of Ukraine's territory. I think even within his inner circle, some of the people I talk to doubt whether the military can deliver on uh, those promises. Do you have any sense of how much longer this might last? Honestly, I don't. But I can tell you that um, President Zelensky is still not in, in the mood to negotiate with Vladimir Putin. He doesn't see Putin as, as anywhere near a trustworthy negotiating partner. Um, so uh, I, I don't see any clear prospects for a negotiated settlement, at least not if, if Zelensky has anything to say about it. So I, I I would expect this this to continue for some time. Certainly, that's that's the the mindset the Ukrainians are, are going into twenty twenty four with. You know, he had this incredibly interesting rise to power as he was originally an actor and an entertainer before becoming the yeah. person so many of us know today. You've known the Ukrainian president for a few years now. How has he evolved over that time? Yeah, he's he's very different these days. I mean, the person I met in 2019 when he was running for president was was a, a very easygoing, funny, uh, lively, kind of optimistic character, somewhat naive um, about the 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 crises that he would face in politics, about what politics would require of him. Um, and it's been fascinating, you know, to observe his transformation, uh, uh, but also in, in some in some ways painful because he has grown more cynical. He's grown uh, darker, tougher. Hmm. Uh, certainly in the in the in the last two years of the invasion, you know, it, it, it's it's been a very stark transformation into this kind of steely character who doesn't leave a lot of room for joking around, banter. Um, he doesn't liven up the mood at meetings with with a couple of jokes uh, in the beginning. He's all business all the time. He's always thinking, you know, what can we do in the next hour to advance Ukraine's uh, objectives in this war? Um, and and it's really almost difficult to recognize the old Zelensky and the one that we see uh, today as the wartime leader. Hmm. You described him uh, early on as naive when he first uh, took over. In what way was he naive? I mean, yeah, the, the first conversation we had, um, this was in March of 2019, you know, I, I was asking him uh, about so, some of his ideas for um, what he would do as president. And essentially, his, his position was, we'll figure it out. Hmm. He said, if we can't figure something out, we'll hire some professionals to fix us. You know, I, I think he had a, a, a pretty uh, 
uh, starry-eyed uh, sense of of how uh, how easy or difficult politics would be, and and he was pretty quickly disillusioned with with you know just how just how painful and and ugly international affairs can be. So how did he manage to make this big leap from a non-political field to a leader of a country facing numerous crises? Uh, it's it's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I think as as I argue in the book, you know, the the, the showmanship. Uh, I, I think his his skills as an actor, as as someone who had changed careers over the years um, uh, a number of times, gave him the flexibility, the adaptability to. Um, think on his feet once the invasion started and not be overwhelmed by the the enormous challenges he was facing you know what one thing he described to me in, in the first day of the invasion was he said he gave himself a, a pep talk and, and he said you know the world is watching they're watching you are a symbol now so a symbol of the state and you need to act the way a head of state must act so he described himself to be really stepping into the role taking on the role of a wartime leader as he imagined it and and over time we we've we've seen that role essentially you know take take over uh, Zelensky you know he is he has become that. It sounds to me like he, he's really impressive in the sense that he has a very clear-eyed understanding of who he is, his place uh, in this moment, and also sort of understanding how the world is going to come to view this war. I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think he has he has a clear sense of his mission and what the Ukrainian people expect of him. And, and, and uh, you know, that that really hasn't changed in, in the two years of the invasion. Um, you know, I, I think the circumstances of the invasion have, have changed all around him and they have become more difficult. You know, the military commanders in Ukraine have declared something of a stalemate along the front lines. What's what's really surprised me um, in, in staying in touch with Zelensky and talking to him more recently is that his position, his single-minded determination to uh, deliver the promise of victory to the people of Ukraine hasn't changed, even as the circumstances of the war on the battlefield become so much more difficult. I should point out that Simon Schuster will be speaking with David Von Draley of the Washington Post at 7 o'clock Thursday evening at Unity Temple on the Plaza. This is a rainy day books event co-sponsored by the Truman Library Institute. More information at rainydaybooks.com. Again, 7 o'clock Thursday evening to see and hear Simon Schuster uh, on the plaza speaking about his new book, uh, The Showman. Um, how surprised are you at his transition to becoming this rather impressive figure in history? I was shocked by it. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have to say, I didn't think he had it in him. And judging by his fairly bad, you know, popularity ratings and and uh, standing in the polls before the invasion started, I think most Ukrainians also didn't think he had it in him. Uh, Ukraine's allies expected Ukraine to to fall uh, within a few days. They they were uh, fully expecting President Zelensky, you know, to to flee the capital, and and uh, they were indeed inviting him and giving him uh, offers to help him escape because the threats to his life were so immediate in those in those early hours and days of the invasion. Well, why didn't that uh, happen, Simon? Uh, you know, it's, it's, there are a number of reasons. I, I think fundamentally, um, he felt that the shame that would follow him for the rest of his life if he did flee his capital and abandon his capital 
was scarier to him, you know, the shame and condemnation of his own people was scarier to him than the, the fear of death. Hmm. That's fundamentally what it comes down to. Hmm. Early on, was he even taken seriously by top officials in his own country? Uh, early on, when, when he just became the president? Right. Um, yeah, a lot of people dismissed him as as a clown, a neophyte, as someone who, you know, lacked the chops for standing up to Vladimir Putin and the Russians. Um, you know, I, I think over the course of his presidency before the invasion started, he he certainly made some uh some some efforts, some serious efforts to try to negotiate a truce with Vladimir Putin and try to forestall the kind of invasion we've seen play out. But he failed in those efforts. He wasn't able to deliver on the promise of peace. So I think even a lot of his supporters were disappointed in him uh, in, in the in the years leading up to the full-scale invasion. But once the invasion was underway and, and he uh, you know rose to the occasion, the popularity ratings are very clear. You know, uh, in, in the early weeks of the invasion, you know, 90, 90 or so, 90 percent of the Ukrainian population said that they stood with their president, that they were uh, admiring of him and his decision to, to stand uh, and, and defend the country. What's that percentage today, Simon? Do you have any idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's declined quite a lot. Now we're talking depending on what poll you look at, we're talking 60, 70%, something like that, hmm. uh, a, a big decline. Um, I guess it's somewhat natural, you know, when 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 the population is uh, faced with such a horrific uh, war for now almost two years, um, you know, questions inevitably arise about, you know, his handling of the war, the decisions he made, the failure to sufficiently prepare for the war uh, before it started. Those kinds of questions are bubbling up. So we're definitely seeing in, in some ways in Ukraine the return of politics where, you know, that that kind of unity and rallying around the flag, rallying around the leader, um, those those kinds of uh, emotions are fading with, with time. We'll be right back. Oreo is the most famous cookie in the world, but few people remember the product that it blatantly ripped off, a creation of Jacob Luce in Kansas City. Not only was Oreo this copycat of Hydrox, it was also built on the back of the company that Jacob had founded himself. How Kansas City started the cookie wars. Hear the whole story on the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. You really had this unbelievable amount of access to him and the people around him when the war broke out. I, I can't help but wonder, how was that able to come about? How did you secure that level of access? Uh, it, it was just because of my, my established relationships with him and his team um, when the invasion started. So I, I met him and profiled him for Time magazine uh, when he was running for president in 2019. And then when he won, you know, I stayed in close touch with his administration uh, honestly, this this wasn't really anything unusual. Uh, president Zelensky isn't the first president of Ukraine that I've I've shadowed and followed and profiled for Time Magazine. He's the third. Um, you know, I, I cover Ukraine very intensively uh, for for roughly what's it now about fifteen years. So yeah, it was um, it, it it was part of my job to focus on the the Ukrainian president, whoever it may be, and and, and that put me in a fairly unique position. Um, because of those established relationships to to approach him and his team um, when the invasion started and say, you know, I want to write this book. 
Um, and, and they were open to that. They were open to working with me. They, they knew who I was. They knew my work. They, they knew that I'm, I'm not um, a kind of uh, coming at this from afar, that I, that I know the story. Um, so yeah, there, there, there isn't much, much more to it than that. Honestly, how, how many hours a day were you able to spend with Ukrainian leaders during those first days of the war? Well, it's, it's kind of hard to put a number on it. I mean, um, yes, starting in, in April after Ukraine won the battle of Kiev, uh, and, and president, president Zelensky and his team, you know, emerged from their, their bunker and began working in their offices. I tried to be there every day, you know, um, and and it became possible to to hang around with them in in their offices. Um, so for for a number of months, I was I was there, um, tr trying to observe their their response to the war and 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 how they were coping with it. Um, yeah, every day. But but you know, every day it required getting through the security checkpoints, getting in. You know, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't some kind of all access pass. Um, I, I had to every day kind of schedule my my uh, admission to the compound and, and then be there talking to people. You know, it can't be easy doing the work that you were doing in the midst of a war like that. I can't help but wonder what kind of impact did it have on you, Simon, and the work you did being surrounded by the carnage that you were surrounded by? Thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the question. I mean, uh, it was kind of a, a you know, it was, it was a role that I felt was necessary be, because of my experience in, in, in covering Ukraine for so many years. I, I felt I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. I felt it was my responsibility to try to help um, uh, advance the public understanding of the war, what was going on within the leadership in Ukraine. You know, this, these are historic events. Um, and, and just because of the, the trajectory of my career up, up to that point, you know, I, I felt I had to, to use that expertise that I developed over some years. Um, to, to try to, to help, to tell the story of, of, of this war. Again, I'm visiting with journalist Simon Schuster about his new book, The Showman, Inside the Invasion That Shook the World and Made a Leader Out of Volodymyr Zelensky. If you want to join our conversation, our number 816-235-2888. Again, that's 816-235-2888. You know, you've been covering Ukraine since long before Zelensky came into power. How does he compare to previous powerful figures? years in Ukraine's history? I mean, he's, he's very different. Um, yeah, I, I'd say generally um, he's more charismatic. And, and, you know, as I said earlier, his, his skills as a, as a showman, as an entertainer, his, his, his knowledge of the power of persuasion, the power of social media, um, really make him stand out in his ability to, to keep the world's attention. You know, previous presidents of Ukraine, uh, most notably his predecessor, Petro Poroshenko, um, he was not as successful. You know, he, he also tried to, uh, you know, take Ukraine's plight, its, its conflict with Russia, its war with Russia, uh, you know, on tour on, on all of the world's political stages, but he wasn't nearly as successful in, in, in grabbing and holding the attention of the world. I think that's, that's something where Zelensky's abilities really, really stand out. I was going to say, tell me a little bit more about his strategy for keeping the West on his side. Obviously, there are many facets to that, but break down what that looks like for us. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that they really um, uh, decided to do differently in the early days of the invasion was not only to speak to the leaders in foreign countries, 
in, in foreign democracies, you know, on, on these kind of secure line telephone channels that heads of state usually use to communicate, they decided that they needed to speak to the people who elected those leaders, really to all of us, you know, in the United States and Europe. So, so they, they began, um, you know, crafting a communication strategy for the people of the world, not only the leaders of the world, because they knew that, that it would, to a large extent, depend on public pressure from the grassroots, from, from, from the people in, in these nations whose support Ukraine needed. Uh, and, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why we saw Zelensky appearing so often. You know, if you remember those those early days of the invasion in 2022, he was everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. he was speaking at the Grammy Awards. You know, he was he was all right. over social media. This this was a purposeful and, and very well thought out communication strategy. Have you seen his rhetoric shift uh, during the two years of the war? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, for one thing, um, in the early weeks of the invasion, you know, he talked a lot more about uh, a negotiated peace with with the Russians, uh, and the Ukrainians were pursuing that kind of peace, those negotiations in, in the in the first two months, roughly. Um, now, I think if you listen carefully to what Zelensky says, um, he he's returning more to the to the language of peace uh, as opposed to the language of victory. It's subtle so far, but I, I do sense that shift in uh, in his rhetoric, um, and I think it's it's a response to, to just how difficult the situation is on the front lines. But overall, his message of promising the Ukrainian people victory and trying to assure them that victory is coming that's been very consistent. Does he have a vision for what his country will look like once the war is over? A flourishing European democracy. Uh, that that is that is that is the Ukraine he wants. One that is independent, one that is sovereign, and one that has finally broken the bonds of empire, uh, the Soviet empire. I think breaking those bonds uh, are are probably the most important goal um, uh, for for Zelensky and for Ukraine in, in this war. Not allowing Russia to determine Ukraine's uh, fate. What aspects of this war are you watching most closely as we move forward here? Yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, I think it's very important to watch the way that the Ukrainians are preparing for the possibility that Donald Trump comes back to power in the United States, um, or for whatever other reason, Western support, military support continues to decline. One thing you have to watch very carefully there is uh, is Ukraine's ability to produce its own weapons. Um, my, my my latest report in in Time magazine, you know, details that effort very in, in some deep in some depth. Um, you know, they're trying to um, hedge against the possibility that that Western arms are not going to arrive in, in the numbers and at the scale that we've seen before, and they're trying to produce as much of the weaponry as they can to to keep this war going as long as they feel is necessary. That's journalist Simon Schuster. His new book, The Showman Inside the Invasion That Shook the World and Made a Leader of Volodymyr Zelensky. Again, he speaks with David Von Draley of The Washington Post at 7 o'clock Thursday evening at Unity Temple on the Plaza. The event uh, co-sponsored uh, by Rainy Day Books and the Truman Library Institute. More information, rainydaybooks.com. Sure, appreciate your time, Simon, and uh, stay safe in your reporting out there, okay? Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancard, and Hallie Jackson. Our intern is Lauren Texter. Paul Nakatura works our board. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. 
I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.